0: Welcome to Analog Jones in the Temple of Film. I'm Steve. And returning, we've got John. Say a little something, John. Hello. And, and we have another super secret guest, another college friend of mine. His name is Scott North. <laughs> Say hello, Scott. Well, hello. And he's a Cubs fan, so if anyone hates the Cubs, you can hate on him.
2: And I actually really hate Steve, so. Yeah, so it's going to be a pretty good
0: podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We did a techno noir. This is number two of our Catherine Bigelow back-to-back weeks, and a techno, a fucking weird techno noir. Strange days.
1: Have you ever jacked in? Have you ever wired tripped? You ready? <laughs> no. <huh. gasps> This is
2: not like TV, only better. This is life. It's a piece of somebody's life. It's about the stuff that you can't have, right? The forbidden fruit, straight from the cerebral cortex. I mean, you're there, you're doing it, you're
1: feeling it. Are you beginning to see the possibilities here? I am your main connection to the switchboard of souls. I'm the magic man. If this has got something to do with the water. Sooner or later, it washes up on your beach. Fan mail from some flounder? I want the fuck <sighs> it's the dark end of the street. How do you like it now?
2: He records it all. Everything.
1: And gives it to you.
2: Why oh, I me? Mean. There's more to this whole thing than you think.
0: Give us the tape right now!
2: You don't know how high up the food chain this thing goes.
1: Do you know what this tape could do if it got out? I see the world opening up and swallowing us all. This is
2: conspiracy paranoia. The issue isn't whether you're paranoid, Lenny. The issue is
1: whether you're paranoid enough. No more games. Whatever's going on, you have to get out of here now. Get him out. This tape is a lightning bolt from God. It can change things, things that need changing, before we all go off the end of the road
2: been all out war, and you know it. No! Well, maybe it's time for a war. Come on, man, cheer up. We're going to end in ten minutes anyway.
0: Holy shit, everyone! <laughs> We're celebrating Y two K. Okay, this is. This is just a weird techno noir crime thriller.
2: Uh, yes, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's it's like four films in one, and there's equal rights too. I mean, if, there was a lot of equality uh, statements that occurred throughout it too. So, is very much felt like a movie without an identity.
0: Now, John, you saw Point Break with me last week, and now we yeah. just got done quote unquote air quotes watching this. Did this seem like the same director was doing this?
1: No, I did not feel it was very different. It was felt like uh, felt like somebody had just graduated college and this was their first movie that they directed. Oh wow. <laughs> oh it's a deep well, cut. Well, well. I didn't mean it in a bad way, but you could tell like there were uh there were some things that was like they didn't have quite the experience yet.
2: Well, I noticed too after the fact that James Cameron wrote the screenplay and my first thought as the credits were rolling, seeing that was I wonder if James Cameron knew what kind of shit show he had written and he just handed it down to his wife or future wife or whoever it was, if they were were married at the time, because it just felt like it was – he just, it was something he couldn't handle or grasp or want yeah. to even attempt.
1: Yeah, it does have a little bit of it's like, I want to make this movie, but I don't have the technology to do it yet. So I'll just give it to somebody else.
0: Well, he, I think he sold the studio Universal or 20th. I think it's 20th Century Fox. He sold them on True Lies and Strange Days at the same time. So I think mm. he could only do one. So he did True Lies and then he gave Strange Days to Catherine Bigelow, his ex-wife. Oh. Well, that explains it more. <laughs> Point Break was released in 91, this is released in 95.
1: Yeah, so see, watching it, it felt like it would have been backwards to me. It felt like I felt like this one was her was an earlier work of hers, and then Point Break was a later, and you could kinda like she kind of got her feel. Uh, This one kind of seems like she still doesn't know what... Because it just seemed like some shots were one way, some some shots were another. So it seemed like she didn't quite have her style. Well, Well,
0: see, I I saw it as it wasn't like a continuous... Like, every scene didn't amount to the the climax. Like, with Point Break, even though it's long, it feels like every scene was put in there to get somewhere. With this movie... It felt like many of the scenes were like, ah, do we need that?
2: Because it kind of just feels like we diverted. Yeah, it was four movies, basically four subplots in in one movie. I mean, this is it. It just there was it just didn't make sense for how many, how much of a cluster it ended up being.
1: Yeah, I felt like half the movie was that first day, and then and then the last half of the movie was like two days. Like in this in the story. Uh, time frame, how they talk about how it was uh, December 30th at the beginning. And that felt like it was the majority of the movie. And then all of a sudden it was, Oh yeah, they haven't even got to new year's yet. And I, I remember when that flipped on the screen, I was like, Oh my God, that was just the one day.
2: Yep. Point the fact out that the, the, the squid, which is in my opinion, the coolest part of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's kind of the selling point even though on the on the in the trailer and on the box art it, it they're, they're trying to sell y2k cuz that was a big part of the movie i guess they just tied it in but it really didn't i i don't know why i don't know what it had to do with squid or or you know the 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 surrounding crime drama but they just wanted to make it about y2k but the squid is the coolest part of this movie and they don't really give you an explanation where it came from, why it's there, or how it's there. It's just, hey, guys, here's Strange Days, and here's this cool cerebral headpiece where you can see visions of past people committing crimes or live their daily life or whatever. And that was, to me, the cool selling point of the movie, but it just never stuck. Even if they explained Squid, which they may have there's so much stuff
0: in this script becomes so bloated that you wouldn't even remember. Cause yeah. you're, like, there's just too much crap. It, it's like overstuffing a closet, you know, <laughs> it, it, right when you open the door, it just all falls out on you at the same time. You're like, Whoa, fuck. But, it, but before we get in more into the movie, let's go into like the details of it.
2: Well, in addition to that, just to add on to that last yeah. comment with the overstuffing, it almost feels like this movie was controlled by maybe executive producers people wanting to keep all this material in the movie it just felt like there was some a higher power was controlling the the ending that yeah what what the movie actually you know was as opposed to what it have, should have been mm-hmm.
1: i also think it was a love letter to mid-90s style fashion style yeah uh, uh, well Paul's yeah
2: the outfit. 90s Maybe that's what the Y2K is. Yeah. Scenario is all about. Goodbye, 90s. I loved you. This was part of the 90s dystopia (laughs) movies.
0: You know, you had stuff like. I just wrote down a few of my favorites The Crow, Gattaca, 12 Monkeys, The Mm -hmm. Matrix. I wrote 12 Monkeys twice. Wow, I'm an idiot. Uh, Total Recall, Dark City, Demolition Man, and T2. I just feel like I love 90s dystopian movies. I love post apocalyptic dystopian movies as it is, but for some reason the nineties they felt so stylized. And it's funny too, because the nineties honestly was a good time. The economy was good. You know, people could buy houses that, you know, didn't cost a million dollars in good neighborhoods. It it was a good time and we're all like, No, dude, you don't understand. The world's going to shit. (laughs) Are you sure?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I know I grew up in the Midwest and like in like suburbs, but I don't remember like things being that bad in the ninety and like ninety five. But
0: no, but apparently after the L.A. riots, every movie in L.A. was basically L.A.'s falling apart. <laughs> yeah,
2: well, and then to that fact too, ninety five, like that's that. I mean, that's five years before Y two K. So mm. I never, I guess, realized Y two K was even being promoted uh, that much at that time either because i only remember hey it's 1999 Uh uh-oh one more year y2k i remember then it being more of a thing 95 i mean i feel like that that's pretty early but then again i was only what 11 in 95 so i i probably don't remember
1: well that too and just the we we the three of us were not using things that there was going to affect like computer like personal computers and stuff like that wasn't they weren't – everybody had them, but they were like what you had to write a report on every once in a while. It wasn't like a, you were using it every day. And I think that's part of the reason why that became more of a thing towards 2000. And, yeah, and then realizing that, oh, it might mess everything up. I don't think general conception at that moment.
0: Well, my parents uh, had canned goods, uh, water. Uh, they pulled money out of the bank because my mom was a banker. So, I mean, they were really prepared for us to survive at least a week. (laughs) That's what I always (laughs) find funny. I was just like, you don't – we don't have a farm. We don't have a way to, like, create power. I I think it's funny everyone who was collecting for Y2K, if the computers would somehow shut down everything and we'd all go into chaos, they had, like, a closet full of canned goods. (laughs) (laughs) And I get it. I'd probably do the same thing just because, but it's still stupid. I feel like I look back.
1: things are run now more by computers. So if something like that was going to happen now, I think that would be more of a like a, oh shit, because the computers run so much more of our lives now. I feel like that would be much more of a catastrophic thing than back then. But I do remember um, we had some friends that went to, we had our New Year's Eve party and during the countdown, about when they get, we got to, like, six or five, the guy turned the TV off, and we were like, <gasps> and then he was like, oh, I'm kidding, and turned it back on. But we were like, oh, my God, and we actually thought it happened. Like, what a dick. Hold on a second. <laughs> you, so you missed the countdown. Well, a couple what seconds, a and he turned it on, and then we got to, uh, like, three, two, one, and it was on. But he did it early enough to where we were like, oh, no. <laughs> Well, we still got to see the, like, you know, the... You should walk
0: over to that guy's house right now and just punch him in the dick, but don't <laughs> tell him why.
1: Why did you do that? You know. It's been 19 years. <laughs> then when you get back home,
0: yeah, just text him when you get back home. It's because of Y2K. <laughs> <laughs> what?
1: why to what?
0: Oh, God, it's almost 20 years ago. Yeah. That's what yeah, blows man. my mind. Yeah. Anyway, let's steer this ship back in the right direction. We got our quick facts. We already know this was directed by Catherine Bigelow, who's also done Near Dark, Point Break, and The Hurt Locker. Produced by James Cameron and Stephen Charles Jaffe. And I didn't write anything down about James Cameron because everyone knows about this is him. A few exactly. But Stephen Charles Jaffe, uh, some people might know him. If you're a trash film nerd like me, you'll remember him from Motel Hell. And if you're my mom, you remember that he produced and directed Ghost.
2: Hey, rewatch Ghost. That's a
1: great fucking movie. (laughs) All
0: right, Scott, my mom.
1: It's such a Scott thing to say. It really is, though. (laughs) I'm sincere. I I want I want to come to visit you, Scott, when Anne is at work, and then I want her to come home to you and I uh, back to back on a clay table. (laughs)
2: watching ghosts and drinking like chardonnay (laughs) yeah the 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 idea behind it i understand you know uh but it's actually a really good movie (laughs) anyway
0: all right screenplay by james cameron and jay cox one of my favorite names to ever Mm -hmm. say Mm -hmm. jay cox Uh, By the way, Jay Jay Cox actually has an Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay of Gangs of New York.
2: That that is, after watching this movie, that is good for him. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can tell you what, he learned his lesson because he made
0: one hell of a fucking script in Gangs of New York. Wow. Story by James Cameron. Yeah, who cares? But James Cameron, by the way, was freshly divorced from Catherine Bigelow only like a year or two. So it's so funny that he, uh, well, in the making of it, he said specifically in the making of this movie, he said specifically, there's only
2: one person I thought of. And that was Catherine Bigelow. Bullshit. That was the agreement the lawyers had. (laughs) You got to give her this script or the divorce won't be final. Like, that's bullshit. (laughs) she wants a script from you you this this divorce won't be fine unless she gets a script all right what's funny is this movie derailed her career
0: for a long time yeah but think about it her next her next job wasn't for like four years and it was as a writer on the producer um on uh, Charles jaffe's next uh, he did a TV movie in like 99 she was the writer of it and then she finally got another chance in like 2001 it was a smaller movie. But then eventually she got the her locker. Uh, Ray Fines, uh, Ralph Fines, got Ray Fines. Ralph Fines is playing Lenny Nero, who is a former cop turned squid dealer. He
2: is peddling the trash of the future. And we don't know where the trash of the future came from or why it's there. He's just doing it. Yeah. We don't know what happened to him. Like we know, he we know that he had some falling out with the commissioner, you know, the tight ass dude. Uh, but aside from that, we don't know why he's now a peddler.
1: Yeah, right. Why? Why I, I do like, remember. He's had to fall back on that specifically.
0: Well, he got. I think he left being a cop because he didn't like. The politics. The politics. He said like one line about it and that was yeah. it. And then I guess he decided to start selling these. Yeah. See, again, there could be a backstory to this and there probably is in the movie. Because as many movies as I watched, I realized the second time you're like, oh, they do. Yeah. But it's not our fault. Whoever edited this movie, made it and everything like that, they put so much shit that you can't remember. mm uh-huh. So it's their fault for <laughs> us being dumb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they made us dumber.
1: Uh, that was that was like yeah, which is which is hard to do, do yeah.
0: really, I mean, or not hard to do. Yeah, we're at the bottom of the barrel in intelligence anyway. Uh, except the entire state of Alabama.
2: Ooh, just lost their downloads. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you better be careful. Uh, my in laws—I got in law family in Alabama. And they might listen. That's to this. why I said Alabama, because oh, <laughs> I'm like I'm hoping connection. Yeah, I'm hoping Anna listens to this,
0: and she's like, "That's a bitch." <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, she won't listen. I told her I was going to be on. She's like, Hell, <laughs> "Yeah, yeah." I've heard that
0: before. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the women in our lives tolerate us only so much.
2: We don't care what you're doing, just. Leave usually, us yeah, usually, <laughs>
1: more, usually when you' know usually <laughs> for small doses of time.
0: It's, yeah, it, it's very small. <laughs> uh, we have Angela Bassett playing Lornetti Mace Mason. And she's a badass, by the way. Why didn't
2: she play Storm? Well, not only is she a badass, but... When they showed the flashback of her, it looked like she was just, like, a waitress or something, right? Coming home. She came home from work, and that's when, like, the cops were there, and that's how she met Well, yeah, Nero. I think she was in baggy clothes. No, she was she in, she was a in diner like, like, a, outfit. a, like like a she waitress. She was, like, a
1: outfit. server at a diner.
2: Yeah. So, oh, yeah, that was in the past. Yeah, so in the flashback, that's how she met uh, yeah. uh Nero, and then, yeah, because he was a cop, he was the like, cop, and he consoling was consoling her son, yeah. But yeah. then, but then she obviously, at some point, which they did not clarify, that she became a, a, a limo driver, chauffeur, whatever you want to call well, it. Well, after that,
0: she decided to protect herself and everyone around her, so she learned how to fight, and then she became a limo driver. Did they explain that very briefly? Okay. <laughs> It was like one of those throwaway lines when they're like, you're going to what? I wish you'd stop peddling that squid. By the way, you remember in the past when I got attacked and now I'm a (laughs) tough-ass fighter who protects other people?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, on with the story. That was – okay, I I think I remember that scene. That was the scene when she pulls Nero out of the limo when he climbs in with the fumu, fujitsu, whatever – I, I, and then yeah. she's like, "Pissed." At, okay, yep. Yeah, it was. It was definitely like just a, like a, a a footnote, okay, in the
0: script. And they're like, "Oh, by the way, you got to say that out loud." <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. I, do, uh, I also like that the, very, the guy in the back kind of is boring. just like sitting there grinning while he's trapped in the window between the back and the front seat, and he's just yeah. like yeah. completely fine with the <laughs> whole thing. And he gets on like, "Oh, just give us a minute." And he's like, "Okay," like just wow. happy as hell to be there.
2: I mean, the first like forty-five minutes of the film was all about the squid and and how he's a junkie on it and and how she's a badass and then and then it just like it it just didn't it, it, that just didn't make sense and and her her role to me just I don't know it's it, it's all
0: it's your classic story of a black limo driver meeting a white junkie. <laughs> she's sort in love. of
1: his voice of reason, though. She kind of is like. You shouldn't do this for this reason.
0: Oh, no shit. He's a good person and he's an idiot. Yeah. (laughs) But he's a nice, caring idiot. So you just kind of sort of love
2: him, but you also want to hit him over the head with a sledgehammer? And, And I want to point out, too, I don't know if Ralph Fiennes was the right guy for Nero. No, because he's not scummy enough. Yeah, exactly. Like he still was so gentle and kind, even though he was a junkie and
0: Well, and he's a junkie on his past memories of his girlfriend. Who is scummy as fuck. Yeah, I don't like Okay, let's let's get on with this. We'll never get past his name. So we have Juliet Lewis is playing someone called Faith Justin, who is I don't know, a rollerblader who really likes to take her shirt off and then she becomes like a punk alternative rock star? Yeah. Even got
2: uh very very once again, no explanation for why that relationship failed and Well, yeah. And and I mean she's a main
1: catalyst. What
2: happened? I've got a question. First John can answer
0: it, and then I guess Scott. Do you find Juliet Lewis? attractive?
1: In this movie, no. But in other movies, yes.
2: Not, uh, that's a tough question because, because this- I mean, just in general, not this movie. I mean, just in general. I find her, yeah, yeah, I would say, I would say yes. I would say not like, I mean, she's not, you know, a 10 or whatever scale. No, I mean, I'm not putting a scale on it. I mean, just like, because every time I don't
0: and every movie I watch her and I've heard people say that they, you know, I just look at her and I'm like, I don't know what it is, but it makes me tilt my head to the side. Like a dog would when they're like, ah, like, I don't know what it is too. I like, I mean, this is the analog Jones hour where we judge women, but, um, <laughs> don't worry, men, you're coming up next. Uh <laughs>
1: Do you have? Do you have a level of attractiveness? Name like we did with the Shazam thing. How there was sneaky hot, and then there is no. You're really I, I talented think of You're so talented. I forgot you were hot. Juliet Lewis term.
0: is fake hot. Like I, like I look at her and I'm like, I understand.
1: Meh, nah, just come in with whatever you have. Like she looks kind of the same, but she's sometimes attractive. I look at like uh,
0: you know Ralph Fiennes and I'm like, that's a good looking guy. He's kind of an odd, good looking guy, but he's good looking. And I guess Julia Lewis is in the same boat.
1: He was Julia Lewis is,
2: an, to me, an odd looking attractive. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. The problem for me is now, well, two things. One, she's been an actor for a very long time. And, you know, I remember her in Christmas vacation. She's obviously younger and. Well, I guess it's not too well. Yeah, that's this is six uh, years after or whatever. But like, but then I remember her in uh, that would what, what's Natural Born Killers? Yeah, and and in that movie, I was like, absolutely not attractive. Yeah. You know, so like, she's got Ooh. the different personas. Mm-hmm. I think that reflect on her attractiveness. Which, by the way, Angela Bassett,
0: she's hot. Yeah, I, yeah, she's she's gorgeous. She is like, I will let yeah.
1: you
2: beat me up, hot. Yeah. Was well, that? <laughs> that, that, that
1: <laughs> point out too, and then drive me somewhere like off in the middle Steve, of nowhere. And Steve, me out. Let,
2: let us point out that all the running joke all through college was Steve's perfect girl was one that could kick his ass. So <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> he, he his perfect girl is one that were <laughs> where she could like basically choke him to death with her thighs. That was Steve's <laughs> oh, perfect. <shit.
0: laughs> Yeah, I remember that. He's I know like that guy. Uh, it's, it's um <laughs> it's a weird thing. We're gonna skip that. Um it's true though. Uh for some reason, like the the uh the really like tough girls, like in all these movies, I am secretly or not too much secret now, <laughs> but I am like I'm definitely attracted to like those kick-ass girls. Yeah. Huh? Number awesome. four. On the, the list of credits here, we have Tom Sizemore, who is Mr. I have a ton of problems in real life. Uh, I really don't want to get into him.
1: <laughs> that was life imitating yeah,
0: right? But Scott has brought up the wig, and I'm going to say it. I'm going to get this joke out there before you fuckers. The worst actor in this film is Tom Sizemore's wig. <laughs>
2: Well, I wouldn't have said that because you, you 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 told me that before, and that's a that's completely accurate and a perfect the perfect line. So, I I wouldn't have been able to take.
1: Yeah. That. Well, it's funny because well, uh, what everybody doesn't know is that was like one of the very first things the three of us said one before we started recording was Tom Sizemore's wig, and then just talked about it for. the I want to get a shitty wig street.
0: and put it on my wall, and just put a, a plaque above it is like in memory of Tom
2: Sizemore's wig. <laughs> I mean, there's you, you, like you should have. If you ever did awards for like your podcasts or your guests or yeah. whatever movies you talked about, you could have like worst guest appearance, and you could have this wig trophy, Tom Sizemore's wig trophy, and give it to your worst guest appearances on your podcast. Yes.
0: Tom Sizemore's wig would be the guest that you asked a question to, and they would just stay silent and remember like, Yeah, I think it was pretty good. <laughs> the the what? The, yeah. The, Okay, Uh, number. Not much more on time. We'll move on to Vincent D'Onofrio, which, by the way, he is a teddy bear. I have a weird man crush on. He's so like uh, fluffy. (laughs) Like when he's older, like as the um, kingpin, I was just like, (laughs) he's so funny Mm -hmm. because he's tough. But when you look at him, you're like,
2: look at that little (laughs) butterball. Well, and well, he's and actually huge too. Well, he's like, huge too. But then, like, I agree because you know, in Full Metal Jackie, he was completely insane, and then this one, he was definitely way over the top. But then you get a movie like Wedding Crashers, or not? I'm sorry, uh, the Breakup. In the Breakup, oh, he was right. the older brother, and he was so soft, gentle, soft spoken, and you know, and and so you're like, yeah, this guy has a huge spectrum for acting, but he was just completely over the top in this movie on oh, the cell he's you know like breaks through the roof he's so yeah. over the top
0: yeah. but i mean he was he was hired to do that that's what you bring him in for Yeah, and they did it. they used him on an 11 <laughs> but the problem was is like the movie really didn't need him
2: uh, no the movie didn't need those cops in general yeah. neither of them you could have told the same story without having that angle those two police in fact with the police doing all that it was very confusing how the
0: fuck they thought they'd get away with everything,
1: especially and yeah, especially when they're they're firing yeah. through the crowd and he keeps hitting everybody except for her and the party still goes on even though people. I literally are said shot. it
2: out loud as I was watching. I was like, "Well, they obviously don't care if they're caught or not anymore because they're killing random people in the crowd." Yeah. Why does it matter? Why are you still chasing this? Why are you still chasing this chick now? You just killed four people. It's insane.
0: I I couldn't believe it. uh, But anyway, getting on to another one of my favorite character actors. We have Michael Wincott from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, The Crow, and Alien Resurrection. I only put Alien Resurrection in because my co host, usually Matt, is such a big fan of that movie, even though it's shit. I hate alien resurrection. I'm saying it out loud. <laughs> he knows it.
1: I only remember that dude from Robin Hood: Prince of Thieves. Lux Why is
0: Spoon cousin? <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: My, Michael Wincott is. Yeah. He's the he's the actor that you always recognize, but never know who he is. At least for me, you know, you see, you watch a movie, and be like, oh, it's that guy. Oh, you mean his name? Yeah, 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 yeah you, his you name. know yeah. his face. Yeah, yeah you know yeah. his face, but not not. You know, it was to me, it was always Bob Hoskins, was always kind of that guy who was in everything. And I was like, I never knew his name. Well, that's the other guy in here, the other cop,
0: William uh, Fitch, Fitchner, Fickner, Fickner uh, from Armageddon, The Perfect Storm, Black Hawk Down. He's always that guy. Go, hey, it's that guy that uh, Michael Bay always uses
2: (laughs) with the straightest face ever, like the straight, (laughs) (laughs) like the most straight face. It (laughs) comes to a point (laughs) like, like a pencil.
1: Yeah. If you throw food at his face, it just splits.
0: It's awesome. <laughs> his face is a wedge. <laughs> <laughs> the release date on this was October 6, 1995 at a budget of $42 million and a box office, get ready for it, $8 million. Wah, wah.
2: If I, if I was good at math, I would figure out the percentage of money lost. But like Steve mentioned earlier, we are pretty much the bottom of the barrel. So we can't give that the math for you. You lost $34 million. That's a lot. That's a lot. Top nine films at the time.
0: The reason I did top nine is because, well, that's what I wanted to do. Okay. And we had, we, we've done this too when we did Copycat uh, a couple months ago or a month ago. I can't remember. Number one, get shorty. In October of '95, made seventy-two million. Copycat made thirty-two million. Leaving Las Vegas, thirty-two million. Powder, thirty million. Go ahead and tell the story, John.
1: A lot like the uh, the name of this podcast. Uh, I'm a big fan of Indiana Jones. So uh, my buddy Steve, for Christmas or my birthday one year, got me a photo of what he thought was young Indiana Jones in the fedora. Uh, signed by Sean Patrick Flannery, so uh, he was in another state and I was visiting somewhere and so it was shipped and so I was on the phone with him while another friend brought this you know envelope out and I opened it up with Steve on the phone and he's telling me all about it as I'm looking at this picture of powder. <laughs> And I think that's the gift just because that's like Steve's personality. Like, here, here's a random <laughs> photo of Powder just for no reason. Signed by John And Magic so I'm like, thanks, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, why, 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 about? I don't get the, the Powder reference. And you're like, what? It's, it's John Patrick funny the guy who played young Indiana Jones. I'm like, no, this is Powder. And then we found out that he did play Powder. But I still have that. Uh, that photo signed in frame in all its glory. I was so
0: excited to hear you open the gift and I'm like, dude, don't you like it? It's Sean Patrick Flannery. He played young Indiana Jones. And you're like, yeah, he did.
1: No, he's in the fedora. I'm like, yeah, Powder wears a fedora.
0: So fuck that guy (laughs) who sold, I swear to you, I clicked on the photo. Of young Indiana Jones as Sean Patrick Flynn, that asshole probably was like, "Oh shit, I'm out. I'll just send him the other fedora wearing Sean Patrick <laughs> God damn it! I was so disappointed in
1: myself. It's funny because it's like, he's got this pensive look on his head, and he's kind of like looking off, uh, like like off to the ground, like he's got this really deep thought. <laughs> Except it's it's powder. I still have never watched <laughs> oh, it's that
2: movie in 20 years out really well it kind of sounds like you need to have your next yeah i just like where i can't even find it on vhs at a goodwill where the fuck is powder all right well you know how about my next guest appearance will be powder (laughs) (laughs) oh you heard
0: it here folks
2: (laughs) even though i'm reserved for volcano whenever steve can find
0: it that's true you're just like taking up you're soaking up all the 90s movies is powder a 90s movie
2: yeah, I would think so. I think it got to be like 98 or something. Oh no, if if it's that movie, oh, yeah, 95. <laughs>
0: Bottom of the barrel intelligence there folks.
2: There go. Proof. We got it on
0: audio. <laughs> Number 5 was Assassins at 30 million. Now and then which we did uh, in November of 2018 last year, 27 million. We have number seven, Dead Presidents. Number eight, How to Make an American Quilt, which we personally talked about, a movie i always seen on television but have never seen. I've never heard of that movie before. Oh, wow.
2: Yeah.
0: It used to be on TV all the time, like TBS and shit. I've never heard of that. Uh, Well, it's about a quilt, so who cares? (laughs) I'm, I'm sure it's good. <laughs> uh, number nine, Vampire in Brooklyn at nineteen million. When you lose to Vampire in Brooklyn, oh, wow.
2: you have a bad movie. And didn't that also star Angela Basket? <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. I got my oh, co-star. Well, yeah. She, well, this was well, I guess she was main American character in this, yeah.
0: Well, she co-starred in this too, but yeah. she was, yeah, like main she was on the cover. Is she a, not well, yeah, she is. All right, all right. She better be on the cover. She and is. once She's... again, I'm gonna say it. Why didn't she play Storm? Because she's awesome.
1: Because well, she is awesome. Yeah. Why didn't she play? Storm?
2: Ah. Uh, they should have just made up a
1: uh, superhero
0: okay. character. Well, now her. that you're
2: talking about Storm, Mansel Bassett or Halle Berry? Angela Bassett. I can beat up Halle Berry. Okay. Well, okay. That was. <laughs> I should have mm. guessed that. <laughs> How about you, John? Angela Bassett or Halle Berry?
1: Hmm. Uh, I think. I think Halle
2: Berry. Yeah, I would agree because I, I haven't actually. I don't know. Is Angela Bassett in anything lately? I have I don't. Hallie Berry. The, she
0: was in the Black Panther. Oh, that's right.
2: Let's uh, break down the
0: box. Sorry, That seems like a good time to segment. <laughs> uh, this is a pretty uh, normal box. Um, we've got the names, you know, Ralph Fiennes, Angela Bassett, and Juliet Lewis, which, by the way, Angela Bassett's name is above Ralph Fine's mm-hmm. face and then Ralph Fines' name is above Angela Bassett's face, which, okay, maybe we could have the graphic designer who did this pay attention to the hierarchy here, but whatever. Strange Days is all in lowercase, which I found interesting, I don't know why, and there it's in a gold, modern, futuristic font mm-hmm. of the 90s.
2: I, I, I oh, kind of yeah. like it. Um, yeah, I don't mind the font of Strange Days. No.
0: I, but below it is the 2000 celebration where they've got 2000 up on a Jumbotron. And it says New Year's Eve, 1999. Anything is possible. Nothing is forbidden. And it's kind of bullshit because he refuses to sell Blackjack, which he calls. Um, oh, shit. What's it called? Where you Black, kill someone? films
1: Or something.
0: Yeah, the snuff. He refuted. And and as a nickname, they call it, I think, Blackjack. He's like, I don't sell Blackjack. Mm. I think it's Blackjack. God, I hope so. I'm going to play a clip of the movie of me fucking it up or getting it right right now. (laughs)
1: God damn it. You know I don't deal in snuff.
0: I don't have a fucking coronary. Well, you could
1: have at least warned me. You know I hate the zap. When they die, it just brings down your whole day. Jesus. Sorry.
2: How'd you get the tip? How come the cops didn't put it in evidence? I guess with all the blood, they didn't see the rig. Well, guy had it on her wig. Yeah, but how'd it get to you? I got ways, Lenny, I got ways. Mate, right? I, I,
0: I gotta deal with some of the paramedics. My guy pages me and I pick it up at the morgue. What do you think? This clip has gotta be worth at least a grand, right?
1: Tick, not to dash your hopes, but I don't deal this kind of product, you know that. I'll give you four for it, cause I gotta cut off the last bit, and my customers want uncut. Fuck that, man! The last part is the best. You dry dive six stories, and blam man, you jacked right into the big black. I don't deal blackjack, clips.
2: It's policy. I got ethics here. Oh yeah, when did that start? Come on, Lenny, this is what people want to see, and you know it. So Lay it off to somebody else. I don't know. Uh, okay, so the only relation to the name to the movie that I discovered while watching was the songs that were being played that mentioned strange days. Now um, is the name yeah. of the movie, is that the only, it, it, like what is the, what is the relation of the name of the movie to the actual events that happen in the movie? Is there any sort of connection other than they're just trying to play off in the Y2K? We're in strange days of our lives. Like I, that is one yeah. thing that I kept well, wondering. Let me, let me answer this for you. A better host would have researched. <laughs> I did. I <laughs> did. <laughs> because, like, because the whole time I kept, I, I kept thinking, especially at the end of the movie, because I think there was there was two background songs that that mentioned "Strange Days" in the lyrics.
1: Oh, I don't know. I, I just was saying to Scott, I remember them playing the song like at the beginning, or uh, towards the beginning. He's going through the club. I think it's the first time he goes back to talk to Juliet Lewis. Like he's like on the top, like in the scaffolding of the club and then you hear yeah whatever band or songs playing they have the word strange days so i was just oh. telling them, yeah i remember yeah, that well,
2: there, there's twice there are at least that i can recall there was twice there was that scene that he just said and then one near the end of the movie where where they mentioned strange days the lyrics that were being okay. sung with strange yeah. days but i was i'm just wondering because is, is it more of just is it more of just an overall play on The events that happen in the movie versus, like, is there any real connection?
1: Maybe, uh, maybe because they keep talking about how it's the end times and everything and how it's the strange days. Yeah,
2: yeah, and that's, I mean, that's my guess with Y2K. You know, these are strange days, you know, the con, you know, the saying, whatever, but I don't know. That's a good
0: question. I, I assume it's supposed to be, you know, like strange days ahead. Yeah. After Y2K or whatever, but it's kind of a cool title because it, it's vaguely associated with the story. Yeah. I, I always like those titles more. I don't like I don't mind simple titles, but I don't like on the nose titles. Like I think gladiator.
2: Like I, I always find that one hilarious because <laughs> I'm like, okay, it's about fighting. <laughs> and, then, and then Russell Crowe's like, I am gladiator. And when he's like, say your name, My name is Warrior. Gladiator. I am gladiator. Like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah.
0: So, yeah. On the nose t- even though Gladiator is, I find a, it's a great movie. It, it literally gives you exactly what you want. But mm-hmm. I like movies, kind of like I mean, I've talked about this. I know some people don't like it, but I I like Three Hundred by Zack Snyder, and I also find that title good. But
2: that's probably because it's from a Frank Miller comic book. <laughs> well, and mm-hmm. I mean, and it has a little history involved. Like it, it obviously, it's not completely accurate, but but yeah. If you know just a little bit about what happened, you know yeah. the war, the amount of warriors. But I, I feel like if a executive now would
0: rename 300, it'd be like Greek fighters.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or it would be called This is Sparta.
2: Well, it, it, you know, or it's like any, any – and don't get me wrong. I do like his movies, but there's some of them. But – it seems like half of Mark Wahlberg's movies are just like the title of what he is: the shooter, the shooter, <laughs> <laughs> uh, fighter, um,
1: the Marie. lone survivor. <laughs> well, what was the one movie, Man on a Ledge? Like, how? That yeah, man. man on a ledge. Did you get it? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Holy shit! Mark Wahlberg's movies are made for the dumbest <laughs> like denominator.
2: <laughs> lone survivor. <laughs> So wait, let me guess. He's the only one that survived? Man with...
0: I, I hope he comes out with a movie soon. Man with Gun. <laughs> oh, I'm going to rent this one. I bet it's about a dude doing stuff with a gun. <laughs>
1: it's like uh, they got the same guy to write the title for Man with a Golden Gun. He's like, I'm really good at writing what's in the movie specifically as a title. We need that guy. Yeah. <laughs>
0: If we renamed this movie, it would be Tom Sizemore's Wig. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> or 90s rock band montages.
1: So, right?
0: Which, by the way, Julia Lewis, she's singing on yeah, it. Yeah, that's actually she, Apparently, she has been in a couple bands. She does.
1: What? I think she's cool. in another movie. Like, she's like a punk rock singer in another movie, I want to say, where she pretty much looks like this, like 20 years in the future.
0: Strange Days is presented in its original widescreen format. Uh the film's original screen composition can now be viewed in its theatrical splendor with the added attraction of being digitally mastered by THX for superior sound and picture quality. Okay, now that our marketing line is done, let's move on to a quote A sexy kinetic thriller from Graham Four of Interview. I don't know who that is. Mm-hmm. I've never even heard of interview. I never I don't know. Well, it made $8 million. They were a little, uh, desperate. Mm -hmm. The short description, which I love. I love short descriptions. It's the eve of the millennium in Los Angeles, December 31st, 1999. Lenny narrow of Schindler's list. And the English patient is an ex cop turned street hustler who preys on human nature by dealing the drug of the future. It's an environment that will lead deep into the danger zone when he falls into a maze filled with intrigue and betrayal, murder and conspiracy. Angela Bassett and Juliette Lewis co-star in this provocative, action-packed thriller. 145
2: minutes, and fuck, it felt it. It definitely felt it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. But fortunately, I had the Cubs game on in the background, so I was able to, you know, watch both at the same time. Why do you make the audience puke? (laughs) As
0: soon as you say
2: cub <laughs> I, I just had I had to get that in there somewhere. Awful team.
0: Awful. <laughs> Let's move on to the trailers because this is weird.
1: Coming soon to home video.
0: Not many films. Not many films of this budget play the trailer of the film before the film. But damn it, Strange Days did it.
1: Yeah, I thought that was weird.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And and, and at first, because the cop you gave me, I just thought it was the cop you gave me. Yeah. You're like, oh, wow. He gave me the trailer. That's yeah. nice of him. Like, did he package yeah. this this way? Is this how it comes? Like, yeah, no. They, they're like, hey, you're about to watch this movie. But that's get you pumped up to watch
1: this movie. <laughs> oh, okay. Three times. Because you get it it in the whole widescreen special thing that they have, which when I watched it, I was like, oh, my God, that just brought me back to, like, my childhood. Then they have the trailer, and then they have a short trailer slash, like, behind-the-scenes thing, and then you get to watch the movie.
0: Yeah, there's 25 minutes of shit before the film, and the film's 140 minutes. You're like, damn, but... Yeah, the, the whole widescreen thing that 20th Century Fox did in the late 90s. If you were a kid back then, you remember this because this is when DVD was coming out. Mm-hmm. And DVD had a ton of widescreen as just their normal. So then 20th Century Fox is like, oh, let's put out our VHS collection of a bunch of action films in widescreen. And I love how they tell. They literally in this trailer, which I, I put up on YouTube, all three yep. of the all 20 something minutes of the stuff beforehand. You can go to our playlist and see Strange Days and find the trailer, the 20th Century Fox widescreen and the making of. It's funny because they're like, what widescreen is, is it's what it's shot on, so you can actually see what the filmmakers want you to. And you're like, oh! And they show you the 4-3 the aspect ratio, <laughs> and then the 16 by 4 aspect or whatever. Uh, it's hilarious because it's They go down, they're explaining it to it like you would a child. But they're doing it in the tone for an adult. These are all adult movies. Like Broken Arrow. I love. I love Broken
2: Arrow. Ain't it cool? Fucking (laughs) love it. Howie. Were you about to say Howie Long? Yeah, Howie Long's in it. Oh, I was like, wait, why? Yeah, okay. Howie Long's in Broken Arrow? Yeah, he's like uh, one of the henchmen. Oh, wow. That would make sense. Uh, that makes sense, yeah. John Travolta being a fucking... No, I've, I, I mean, I've too. seen the movie. Yeah. I just haven't seen it in 20 years or whatever. What's his name doing best? Christian Slater. doing his best. Yeah, doing his best. Yeah,
0: Jack, yeah. Jack Nicholson impression. Oh. <laughs> God, that movie's so bad. Don't you ever say that again. <laughs> so bad. Oh, man. That movie is like... If you're lost at sea, it's the shining star bringing you in. Oh
2: boy. It's the fucking lighthouse. It's <laughs> it's so 90s. And on that, on that note, I'm gonna have another sip of whiskey.
0: Which, by the way, the bourbon we're drinking. Introduce it.
2: Well, I brought us. Uh, well, Steve and I. John is currently off site. Uh, we are drinking Benny from Benny's Beverage Depot a bourbon whiskey called old scout with 107 proof uh it is a handpick from benny's uh barrel barrel proof and uh it's delicious it's smooth ambler and uh highly recommend it with uh some some rocks uh maybe it's a anxious. splash of water i, I smell some Activates uh
1: flavor and aroma brown
2: sugar in there. yeah it's a you know it's oh, yeah. benny's beverage
0: depot uh you can sponsor our show at any time we will drink all the bourbon you can give us Or scotch,
2: free. Please send it to us free. We'll we'll, just we'll promote you. we we're not
0: much. We don't like vodka that much, but hey, we'll we'll do something for you, Bennies. This is the podcast we we get sent something something like from
1: 99 Bananas instead, just like banana liqueur or something like that. I hope we just get it by like Oh, oh oh
2: oh.
0: You get what you wish for. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> banana liqueur. How, the, how does banana liqueur first come to your mind, John? I hate you.
1: Yeah, wait. We used to use it when I bartended back in the day. 99 bananas. Yeah.
0: I I loved it when we lived together in an apartment and we would just come home from bartending to tell each other how much we hated bartending. But honestly, <laughs> there's still some of my best stories. Yeah.
1: Yeah, there's, there's definitely, like, good that comes with the bad. I feel like uh, there's really good stories because it was such a low time in your life.
0: Yeah. I also, when it's people, they're like, oh, man, did you get laid a lot? And I'm like, are you kidding me? People are disgusting when you see them at 2 oh, in the morning. Yeah. They're the grossest. Human. You don't have sex with them? Yeah, yeah. Ugh, hey, but
1: you could. Did you, hey, did you have a, <laughs> sex with a bunch of people who could barely stand up? No, I was sober because I was working. That's terrible.
0: Yeah, I'm not Tom Sizemore. (laughs) (laughs)
1: No.
0: Anyway, Uh, let's get on with the feature presentation. And now, our feature presentation. I think the beginning of this film is interesting. With the POV shot, with them robbing and everything, it reminded me of Hardcore Henry of a couple years ago, where I was like, yeah, I think it's an interesting concept, but Video games have kind of ruined the POV shot in movies and porn. Mm,
2: that's right. I said it. Jeremy, then just to keep in mind, 95, this was... You know, they're kind of introducing Whoa, it. whoa. Are you telling me
0: they didn't have internet porn in 95?
2: Well, uh, I don't want to live in that world. Al Gore world. invented it in 94, so it's only been one year. <laughs> uh, yes, Al Gore.
0: Al Gore actually wrote this movie with James Cameron. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Fun fact. Uh, Fun made-up fact. But, uh, well, no, nothing's made up. Donald Trump's our president. Well, if we put it on Wikipedia, it's all true. Um, yeah, well.
0: Oh, yeah. And Donald Trump. Is and our Donald president.
2: Trump's our president. So yeah, everything's so. true. Uh it's so
0: if, if you yell if you yell loud enough, everything is fact. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and, and and if you constantly compliment yourself, your businesses, or your and, daughter, or whatever. Anything you own or have or or do, it's true. Welcome to Analog Jones. A couple of Democrats <laughs> talk about movies. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, c- so I agree. The to me to me this movie uh, the best the best part of this movie was the first forty five minutes. Uh, yeah, the setup where it still had a chance to go the right direction. Yeah, and and watching it while I was watching it, it. And even that felt long, by the way, because it just, as I was watching, it just felt like it was dragging with the whole squid thing. And when are they going to get further in depth in the story? I'm going to explain the story
0: in in, in one minute. Let's see if I can do this. And then I'm going to let you guys just whatever opinions you want. We have a man named Lenny. He was a cop, but now he's not a cop. And now he's dealing discs that connect to a squib that connect to your head. So you can see and feel everything someone's doing uh-oh, someone was killed. Now the cops are trying to figure out where the disc is that that person happened to be wearing a squib and record everything. Hello, it's a black limousine driver who can kick ass and a dumb ex-cop. Oh, they're in love, I guess, or at least one of them is. And then we have a lot of stuff happen. Juliet Lewis is singing songs, and we have a paranoid manager of her who wants something, and then a bunch of stuff happens, 90s grunge. By the way, here's the 1999 Y2K celebration. Cops are shooting people. She's got a badass limousine. It falls in a river, and boom, they're in love by the end.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Did you, did you uh, mention
1: the, uh, <laughs> the like, activist rapper guy? And that whole like like music video at the beginning, where we're watching like people get like bloodied on the streets. Jericho One.
0: Yes, I I forget everyone's name, but for some reason I remember that rapper's name of Jericho One. Yeah.
2: So there's no there's no explanation of of faith and why she turned from Nero to Jericho One's crew to uh, Philo's crew, really. And there's no reason for Jericho 1, like you said. There, there really isn't. That You could have had an uprising like you had at the end without Jericho 1 because they played the whole movie off based off riots and equality rights and all that early on. So you didn't even need Jericho 1. You didn't need that. I forgot he was in the film until I just did the one-minute breakdown. <laughs> Well he was the reason why well I guess you could kind of say he was the reason why this the film exists or began really. I mean I don't know. John,
0: could we take Jericho one and the whole cop story out of this and still have a movie?
1: Yeah. Um you would have had to find another the only the only thing that to me I think that would affect is the very end of the only good cop, aka that old guy in the tuxedo at the very end. Of him like being able to like actually call off the cops from, Angel like beating Angela oh, okay. Bennett. Uh, uh, Bennett. You're right.
0: Maybe we could have kept the cops, but we definitely could have got rid of the weird fucking mystery thriller mystery thriller slash POV
2: rape. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. You could have you could have had a movie with just a squid. Ralph Fiennes. You hell have Angela Bassett tom sizemore you could add a movie with just those three and they're chasing this unknown killer who in the end ends up being tom sizemore there's no reason for any of the y2k any of the cops any of the Philo bullshit there's no reason for any of that you could have had a movie just based on squid and it would have been cool because squid was the coolest part of this movie
1: yeah and you could you could yeah. have still had the twist with him and his friendship with uh narrow if you wanted to just have him being like, Oh yeah, I was actually helping them out the whole time. Instead of being like the weird, like, uh, like guy at the end, like who was killing, like who was making the videotapes. Like he still could have just done that turn without that whole other side story. Because that's what it ended up being. His
2: friend in the end ended up being the bad guy the whole time, which was really easy for to figure out. out. The the wig, do we have to go back to of course we do. Like going to get, it. It, get
1: like, it. Everybody had that long hair. Like if you were a guy in this movie and you were an old man, you had that long, like mid nineties hair. Like that was it. It was a requirement. Everybody did. Just, let's just point out
2: for a second. I don't know how old Tom Sizemore is. I don't know how well now. I don't know how old he was in ninety five, but When I saw Tom Sizemore in that wig, and I was like, Tom Sizemore can't be older than 40 in this movie. There ain't no way he's got this long ass hair, all white wig. Like, I was like, this, it was
0: comical. Well, like, when you have an ex cop turned private eye, I find that so played out. We've seen it so many times in so many different movies, especially in the late 80s and early 90s. I was actually more interested in Tick, which was played by Richard Edson, who's been in Ferris Bueller's and Super Mario Brothers. He's a character actor. I was actually more interested in the scummy world of squid dealers, which mm-hmm. is people who put them on their head and usually cover them up with a wig or a hoodie or something like that. And they commit crimes or they go out and, like, you know, bang a hot chick or a hot guy. Mm-hmm. And then they sell them to Nero and then Nero sells them to the public and he puts them on these mini discs, which by the way, did you guys notice they were selling mini disc? Mm -hmm. I think that's funny because it always reminds me of my GameCube. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. So it's just like, I I don't know why mini disc became a thing at one point and I don't really care other than it's just like, isn't it cool? But it it's so they do all this and I find that world so much more interesting than like, Hey, guess what? Cops, they abuse their power and oh, they no kill shit. people. I, I fucking, I story it out. it's very, yeah, it's very true. It's a very true story. Like, I mean, Catherine Bigelow did Detroit a couple years ago. This is 2019. So I don't know. What was Detroit? Like 2017, something like that. You know, it's a good
2: movie. I, I, Check it it's a great out! Movie, love that movie. I kind of thought but that the, thing is, um, like-
1: the movie was going to go a different direction when I started watching it because Nero's character seemed like yeah he was a guy who's like kind of you know doing these under the table uh, deals with this uh, squid stuff, but it seemed like he was like uh, especially the way he was dressed and his clientele, it seemed like he was doing it where he was a rich guy and he was doing it for the rich people and he actually wasn't in. The slums, and then all of a sudden, as it, as like the story progresses, you realize it was like all a facade. Like he just he presents himself that way, but he is definitely not that way.
0: Yeah, I mean, he was wearing the expensive suit. He was wearing the ex- expensive tie, which Tom Nero's Ridiculous character tie, makes
1: fun of. Leather they- pants with a le- and eventually a leather suit jacket. I I did like
0: the the bodyguard. Of uh, Michael Wincott's character Gant, who the bodyguard was an ex football player from the Rams, yeah. who like when he was beating up
1: ninety six ninety seven,
0: yeah, when he was beating up Lenny, Lenny's like wait a second, and he would take off his yes. jacket mm-hmm. so it didn't get blood on it, and then it comes
2: back at the end. Was, was that the only reason he they kept calling back to his tie and
1: his jacket?
2: Uh, so, basically, Tom Sizemore falls out a
0: window because Ray Fiennes' character, Lenny
1: He cuts his ties with Tom Sizemore. What the fuck is the joke there, John? You've never heard that phrase? I, I cut ties with so-and-so, and he literally cut his tie at the end to make him fall. He cuts his ties with him. <sighs>
0: John, we're going to go at this with just a two-man team from now on.
2: I, I just want to point out something also about the ending. Uh, not since we're kind of talking about the connection of the tie and all that. I want to point out, too, that if you noticed, and I'm assuming this was deliberate. Deliberate? I don't know if that's the right word. Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> but if you notice, he got stabbed in the back by his friend in multiple ways. And thus, oh, he pulled the knife out of his back to and cut killed nine. his friend. So, to cut ties with him. cut ties more with him. Yeah, metaphors, that's a good
1: joke, Scott. Metaphor, it's all over. <laughs> I guess Tom should have sized more him up about the whole thing. No, that wasn't a good one. No.
0: I would like to apologize to every listener every time John says a <laughs> joke.
2: And the funny thing is, I don't even think John's drinking right I, No,
1: I, I had a beer. That was it.
2: Oh, a beer? I couldn't tell. Yeah. Uh, so,
0: you know, what was that beer? Was it like Milwaukee's best? It was a Yingling
1: water? A Yingling. Uh, oh, say that more clear so and
2: direct to the mic. What's that? We're trying to promote oh, as much a, as we can on the, and the white show. Say that more clear and Only direct.
1: 99 calories for the whole bottle. It's from America's oldest brewery, eighteen twenty nine, Pottsville, uh, Pennsylvania. Twelve fluid ounces. I'm just
2: trying to make more work for Steve when he has to cut the shit up. DG <laughs> yes,
1: and right. Incorporated. You know, according to the Surgeon General, women should not drink alcohol.
2: Oh my god!
0: <laughs> Can we talk about Nero and Mace? Being like the most opposite characters. I get it. You know, opposites attract. But Paul Abdul. She, yes. Yeah, yes.
1: she it's
0: Actually, it's actually links to this because it's 90s. 90s I mean, it's but, not
1: fiction. It's just a matter of fact, really. I,
0: I honestly, I honestly think this character of Angela Bassett's is too smart to fall for Lenny. Because after this whole ordeal happens in the Y2K, the cops shoot him down. They end up getting the cops, giving the main chief, like, the actual evidence that these two cops are dirty, even though they fucking killed everyone in front of them. And the one guy shot himself in the head. Yeah. So Or through the mouth. It's even more dramatic in the movie. Yeah. And, like, all the confettis falling, which
2: I'll give them that the end of this movie visually looks cool. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like that's the, the only reason why the whole Y2K thing was even a part of this movie, is yeah. so they could have this dramatic ending yeah. like they did. Well, wouldn't it been funny if it was, had
0: nothing to do with Y2K? It was just like New Year's Eve celebration. <laughs> yeah. And then the marketers are like, hey, we should make it Y2K because uh, that's cool. That's in five years, so uh, fuck
2: and, it. And this movie's not very good, so... <laughs> In relation to that, obviously, we, we all, I, and I agree with you, the, the two characters, like they kind of, throughout the movie, you saw them butt heads, and there's no, there's absolutely, in real life, no reason for Angela Bassett to ever have done that. But can we talk about how bad the ending
1: was for this movie? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, at the end, they come together because opposites attract, you know? <sighs> He's still on Paul Abdul. <laughs>
2: um, yeah, when the cops come together, <laughs> when they- at the end, when the – well, aside from them shooting everybody in their path, the ending when when the commissioner tells him to handcuff him and DeNorfo goes insane and starts, like, zombie walking towards Angela Bassett. Oh, yeah. He's dragging his He's dead heart. He's dragging dragon. his That's dead heart. crazy. Partner. And they're not shooting this guy. They're, like, this This guy is already, like – they. Thousands oh. of people witness some killing. Doesn't the crowd jump in too? And almost not. Like, not well. Almost not. Almost, not you
1: know. until. Well, you know that could be on purpose because they immediately started hitting her with the sticks and just beating the crap out of her right away. But then they give him so much warning. They keep telling him to stop like twenty times before they actually shoot him, and that could be part of their like their uh, whole thing. Like they gave him, they gave him so much time.
2: To just stand down. I mean, that's kind of fucked up. <laughs> this yeah, guy's yeah. dragging his dead partner like with demonic eyes. I'm going to eat this chick alive. And Oh yeah, he's fucking crazy. Yeah, he was crazy. He was full battle jacket at that point. Yeah. And I just want to point out too that Vince the Norfield's character was actually able to get a shot off because you remember, Nero got shot in the back. So not only did he get stabbed, but he did get shot as well. Oh, uh, I don't think
1: he got shot. Oh, was right that now? the sabu? Why did he collapse right after, though? I thought he got shot. He was just getting faint because he was oozing blood out of his back the whole time.
0: He, I, I don't really know. Maybe I don't know. Maybe he was weak, like John said. But that, face, that whole
1: but, part though was unnecessary because <laughs> All
0: right, she just got I, the shit kicked out of her. I know, and she gets up and still does more than yes, him. and she's holding him, and he gets faint because of whatever. <laughs> Angela Bassett is more of a man than Lenny Nero.
2: Yeah. Oh, she sure is. And Steve, that's that's
1: his that's, that's his dream. His, uh, yeah. That's
2: right there. Angela Bassett is my dream.
0: I, think, I think that Steve's going to put Angela vote. Bassett
1: into the into the museum later in the podcast.
0: Maybe I will. Maybe I will. <laughs> uh okay you know what speaking of the museum john i think we should go into the museum i think we've explained much uh, as much of this yeah. lovely shit show as we can so let's do it museum time
2: this is the second time i've had to reclaim my property from you that belongs in a museum so do you
0: this is the part of the show where we go off into the film jungle and we bring something back just like indie, Good or bad, it's got to go in our wings of the museum. guests wing, I'm going to let you go first. Scott, I know <laughs> what you want to put,
2: so hit us with it. I'm actually going to sidetrack you. No, <laughs> shit! Because we talked about it plenty. There's no reason. <laughs> Tom Sizemore's wig... Is already in a museum of its own. Okay? It is,
0: yeah. It, it's like standing on its own. Like, the,
2: like a, a shitty trailer park museum with like the world's <laughs> largest toilet. Yes. <laughs> so for me to call that out is just too obvious. So my m- museum relic is going to be the ode to the 90s cheesy music scene that is often incorporated throughout this film. Mm-hmm. Over and over and over again for way longer periods of time than needs to be. And maybe that's because Juliette Lewis, like you said, she's performing and she's 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 good. She's good and talented. talented. And maybe that's for her. I don't know. But it's way too long. And it's an ode to 90s films. At least for me, it brought me back. So that's going to be my museum relic.
0: The actual cinematography during that scene reminded me of eight millimeter with Nicholas Cage, yes. which we did a couple uh, months ago, the way they enter that like underground grunge rock and mm-hmm. roll yeah. arena. Yeah. It, it reminds me of them when uh, in eight millimeter where they go underground to look at all the porn.
2: <laughs> yes. Yes. And also I have to throw this in there. Uh, when we first get to the club, and you hear the death metal, all I kept thinking about was, what is what is the secret password? New England Clam Chowder. <laughs> yeah. What's the password? New England Clam Chowder. Is that the red or the white? I can never remember that.
0: White? John, what's going in the... Uh, John portion of the visitor. you know what John I'm going to be honest you've been on so many times we're going to give you your own wing you're not even a part of the visitors anymore we've converted it to the John Harrington part of the wing how, how do I get my own?
1: oh so so if we connect this like Indiana Jones wise it's like the Marcus Brody wing esque but it's for John because no
2: nerd you named this. You named your whole podcast after his love. Oh of yeah, Indiana I'm Jones. a massive
0: nerd. Behind you, I have an entire collection of VHSs. A dead media. <laughs> uh John. What's going in the John portion of the wing?
1: I'm going to put in the 90, '90s, like futuristic style, like their fashion style. Like his outfits to me were so ridiculous and. It was making me. Uh, I was just constantly thinking about that throughout the movie, so I think that's what I'm going to put in the museum. His like his leather jeans, terrible ties, and shiny metallic looking shirts into the museum.
0: I noticed the the metallic shirts. That's so weird. I don't know why that was cool for. Uh, I don't know a couple of years. I, is, is that, that our MC just Hammer way, like, thing?
2: Is that an MC Hammer thing? Maybe I don't know. Or?
0: I feel like this is the way people in 2025 will like, <laughs> yeah. wear. Yeah. I, don't know. I was like, eh, I
1: his ties been. were huge too, like the knots and everything, like the width of them. They were like a. It was like he had a two by four going down his shirt.
0: A quadruple <laughs> Windsor knot. <Yeah. laughs> um. uh, in my part of the wing in the museum, I'm going to take two because Matt's not here. And I'm going to put in, one, the overstuffed script. Don't do it. When you have too many stories all colliding together, you'll get this movie and you'll get a bomb. It just doesn't work. But the Steve portion of the museum, which my friends hit right on, I'm putting in Angela Bassett being a (laughs) badass. Because if I need a limo driver with bulletproof glass and doors, Uh I'm calling Angela Bassett you going to get yourself killed for this? Huh? For this toxic waste, bitch? What the
2: fuck are you doing? Ugh. This is your life! Right here! Right now!
0: It's real time! You hear me? Real time! Time to get real, not playback. You understand? Because she's awesome.
1: <laughs> you want to do the bodyguard, but do role reversal where it's She's the bodyguard, she plays Kevin Costner's part, and you play Whitney Houston's part.
0: Oh yeah. I want a <laughs> massage too. I want to be carried and hey, a massage.
2: If you ever do the postman, I'm in. Yeah. I love that movie.
0: Will you stop fucking- it's all about Kevin Costner with oh, the- baby.
1: You need to do That's a- my You man. need to do a Kevin Costner like series on here.
0: We can't blow our load all in one month
2: on the Kevin Costner series. Oh my God! There's so many good Kevin Costner people's so, heads would. I, I I fucking love Waterworld, and I will argue <laughs> to the death. And I love Postman too, which is just as good. Bad, no, no, no. Waterworld's much better than
0: Postman. Postman is what they put on. Like I don't even know. It, you, you don't still even get your mouth today. You still get your mouth today. <laughs> That doesn't explain Kamikaze's <laughs> post, postman. That has no correlation other than the name.
1: <sighs>
0: anyway, let's end this shit. You can listen to us on iTunes, subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. We have a lot of ways to get in your head and screw you up, especially if you listen to this <laughs>
1: podcast. <laughs>
0: I mean, this particular one, which is absurd. You but... that
1: clip from Adam Sandler where the movie's like, every time you talk, oh, after the whole, I, I'm misquoting it. I, 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 I'm sorry. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard.
2: At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul.
0: Windy City Horrorama will be wrapping up already when this podcast actually launches. That is my co-host's film uh, festival where he does independent horror. And he will eventually come back in about a month. But until then, I'm going to have more guests like John and Scott the dynamic trio of dipshittery. Um, (laughs) And and we're probably going to talk, you know what, they're probably going to come back uh, for The Crow and Dark City because we're going to do another double feature. Uh, They will ruin your eardrums Mm -hmm. and it will be fun. Mm -hmm. If you don't like the show, you can always uh, email us at analogjones.tlf at gmail.com. We love to read your shit we don't care about. (laughs) And we love to read the shit we do care about. Either way,
2: we'll read the shit. Was Kevin Costner in The Crow? I hope Kevin Costner writes the
1: show. I think this show is shit, except that Scott guy. Yes. He's, got, he's got a voice as smooth as silk. I hope he remakes no, The Crow. No. I hope Kevin Costner nowadays remakes The Crow, and he plays The Crow.
2: Why hey, would you torture us? He's got that new Netflix movie that about Bonnie and Clyde in that movie. That was pretty good. I actually like that. I like I like old disgruntled people past their
0: prime. Mm-hmm.
2: Playing old disgruntled people yeah, past their <laughs> prime.
0: But he's like an old cop who's an old US Texas marshal who's got to like solve the crime and he's clearly past his prime. He doesn't like use any of the modern technology at the time yeah i love movies like that where an old person comes like i don't need your computers i go and i'll solve these crimes myself it's true except in this one he's like i don't need to communicate like at <laughs> all
2: <laughs> i don't need your wires and your guns. Oh, that's right it was yeah, wiretaps it was the wiretaps yeah.
0: I feel like we need to end this <laughs> podcast. I feel like I had a lot of bourbon. Anyway, thank you for listening and remember to be kind.
1: Rewind. Rewind? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Click. <Eclect. laughs>
2: to Paris, set a course, set, set, set a course, set, Set a course for the unstoppable
0: Jack and Jen podcasting the impossible Star Trek Voyager being the material. Wine is the vehicle,
2: just like milk for your cereal. Here we go, blasting into the Delta quadrant, uncharted territory, but
1: we're on it. So pour me another glass of cabernet. Cause it pairs with a parts of the galaxy. Never in my life was a crew so brave. Never was a
0: time that I lacked rose. But you
1: learn something new, each
0: and every day. To explore new things is a Starfleet Way. Podcast hailing from the Geekscape Nation. Talking Star Trek with the wine persuasion. So you
1: wanna live long and prosper fine, then you better tune
0: in
2: to Seven of Wine. And this is Seven of Wine, where we review an episode of Star Trek Voyager and a bottle of wine at the same time.